Section 8 of the McDermott's of Ballycloran. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The McDermott's of Ballycloran by Anthony Trollope. Section 8. The Brother and Sister, Part 2. Thady said nothing to this, but stood with his back to the fire, looking as grim as death. "'Oh, Captain Usher,' said Feemy, "'you wouldn't be quarrelling with Thady about nothing. You know he has so much to bother him with rents and things. Will you come to Mary's wedding to-morrow, Thady?' "'Quarrelling with him? Deed then, and I will not. But it seems he wants to quarrel with me.' "'When I do want to quarrel with you, Captain Usher, that is, should I ever want, you may be quite certain it's not in a roundabout way I'll be telling you of it.' "'No, don't, my boy, for ten to one I shouldn't understand what you'd be after. Didn't you say you'd walk up to Augermore, Miss McDermott?' "'I'm sorry to balk Feemy of her walk, Captain Usher, if she did say so. It's not very often I ask her to put herself out for me. But this afternoon I shall feel obliged to her not to go.' Captain Usher stared, and Feemy opened wide her large bright eyes. For what reason could her brother desire her to stay indoors?' "'What can you want me in the house for, Thady, this time of day?' "'Well, never mind, Feemy, I do want you, and you'll oblige me by staying.' Feemy still had on the new collar, and she pulled it off and threw it on the table. She evidently imagined that it had something to do with her brother's unusual request. She certainly would not have put it on in that loose way, had she thought he would have seen it. But then he so seldom came in there.' "'Well, Captain Usher,' she at last said slowly, "'I suppose, then, I can't go to Augermore to-day.' Captain Usher had turned to the window as if not to notice Thady's request, and now came back into the middle of the room as if Feemy's last sentence had been the first he had heard on the subject. "'Oh, you've changed your mind, then,' said he, and his face acquired the look that Feemy dreaded. "'Ladies, you know, are at liberty to think twice.' "'But, Thady, I did wish to go to Augermore particularly to-day. Wouldn't this evening or to-morrow do?' "'No, Feemy,' and Thady looked still blacker than Miles. "'This evening won't do, nor to-morrow.' "'Well, Captain Usher, you see, we must put it off,' and she looked deprecatingly at her lover. His answering look gave her no comfort. Far from it. But he said, "'I see no must about it, but that's for you to judge.' Perhaps you should ask your father's leave to go so far from home. This was a cruel cut at all the fallen family, the father's incapacity, the sister's helplessness, and the brother's weak authority. Feemy did not feel it so. She felt nothing to be cruel that came from Usher. But Thady felt it strongly. He was as indignant as if he had lived all his life among those who thought and felt nobly, but, poor fellow, he could not express his indignation as well. My sister, Captain Usher, has long been left her own mistress to go in and out as she pleases, without lay from father, mother, or brother. Better, perhaps, for her that she had not. God knows I have seldom stopped her wishes, though maybe not often able to forward them. If she likes, she may go now to Augermore, but if a brother's love is anything to her, she'll stay this day with me." Feemy looked from one to the other. She knew well by Miles's look that he still expected her to go, 
and strange as it may be, she hardly dared to disobey him. But then her brother looked determined and sadly resolute, and it was so unusual in him to speak in that way. "'Well, Miss McDermott,' said Usher, seeing he could not prevail without causing an absolute break with Thady, "'your brother wants you to count the rent for him. I'm glad he has received so much. It must be that, I presume, for he seldom troubles himself on much else, I believe.' I do what I have to do, and must do. God knows it's trouble enough. Do you go and do the same. Even that, bad as it is, is better than amusing my sister by laughing at me. Oh, Thady, how can you be saying such things? You see I am staying with you, and why can't you be quiet? Thady made no reply. The captain twirled his hat, and ceremoniously bowing to the lady, took his leave. Thady had screwed his courage to the sticking point while the captain was the foe with whom he had to contend, and he had carried on the battle manfully while he spoke to Feemy in the captain's presence. But to tell the truth, when he heard the clatter of his horse's feet, he almost wished him back again, or that Feemy was away with him to Augermore. He was puzzled how to begin. He could not think what he was to say. Was he to quarrel with his sister for having a lover without telling him? was he to put it on the ground that her lover was a protestant that would have been the easiest line but then father john had especially barred that was he to scold her because her lover would not marry her at once that seemed unreasonable it had never occurred to him in his indignation to think of these difficulties and he now stood with his back to the fire looking awfully black but saying nothing well, Thady, what is it I'll be doing for you instead of going to Augermore this morning? At last said Feemy, the first to begin the disagreeable conversation. When Thady looked up, thinking what to answer to this plain speech, his eye, luckily for him, fell on the new Mohill collar. Where were you getting that collar, Feemy? And are you after making me stay at home all the blessed day, and sending Captain Usher all the way back to Mohill, and he having come over here by engagement to walk with me, this was a fib of Feemy's, and all to ask me where I got a new collar? Maybe I was, Feemy, and maybe I wasn't, but I suppose there isn't any harm in my asking the question, or in you answering it? Oh, no, not the least, only it ain't usual in you to be asking such questions. But if there's no harm, I ask it now. Where were you getting the collar? "'Well, you're very queer, but if you must know, Captain Usher brought it with him from Mohill.' "'And if you wanted a parcel from Mohill, why couldn't you let Brady bring it, who is in it constantly, instead of that upstart policeman who'd think it more condescension to bring that from Mohill than I would to be carrying a sack of potatoes so far?' "'There, then, you're wrong. The policeman, as you're pleased to call him, thinks no such thing.' Well, Feemy, but did you bid him bring it, or did he bring it of his own accord? Feemy could now shuffle no longer, so, blushing slightly, she said, Well, if you must know then, it was a present, and there's no such great harm in that, I suppose. Here Thady was again bothered. He really did not know whether there was any harm in it or not. A week ago he certainly would have thought not, but he was now inclined to think that there was but he was not sure, and he sadly wished for Father John to tell him what to do. "'Well, Thady, now what is it you were wanting of me?' 
and then after a pause she added her courage rising as she saw her brother's falling was it anything about captain usher yes it was well is there anything between you and he feemy what do you mean by between us thady and feemy made a little fruitless attempt to laugh well then you're in love with him ain't you there now that's the long and the short supposing i was why shouldn't i only this feemy he's not in love with you this put feemy's back up deed then it's little you know about it for he just is and i love him too with all my heart and that's all about it and you might have found that out without sending him back to mohill i wish then he'd stay at mohill and that i might never see him over the door of ballycloran again that's kind of you thady after what i just told you but don't tell him so that's all but it's just what i mean to tell him and what i shall go over to mohill on purpose to tell him to-morrow good gracious thady and for why for why feemy because i still want to see my father's daughter an honest woman though she may be soon a beggar because i don't want to see my sister crouching under a blackguard's foot because i don't want the worst disgrace that can happen to a family to blacken the name of macdermot feemy was now really surprised fear at her brother's strange words brought out at once what was ever most present in her mind oh heavens thady sure we're to be married it must be remembered that this was not an interview between a fashionable brother and an elegant sister both highly educated in which the former had considered himself called upon to remonstrate with the latter for having waltzed too often with the same gentleman and in which any expression of actual blame would highly offend the delicacy of the lady thady and his sister had not been accustomed to delicacy and though she was much shocked at his violence she hardly felt the strong imputation against herself as she had so good an answer for it she therefore exclaimed oh heavens thady we're sure to be married well now feemy just listen to me if captain usher means to marry you under all circumstances i don't know you could do better i don't like him as how should i for isn't he a protestant and a low-born impudent ruffian but you do like him and i suppose if he marries you it's because he likes you if not why should he do it and when once married you'll have to fight your own battles and no joke it'll be for either of you but if as i'm thinking he has no idea on arth of marrying you no more than he has of mary brady i'll be dinned if i let him come here fooling you though you haven't spirit enough to prevent it yourself we're low enough already feemy but for heaven's sake don't be making us lower yet well now thady is that all and you're wrong then as you always are for captain usher has asked me to have him just as plain as i'm telling you now and he's no ruffian it is you're the ruffian to him snubbing him when he speaks good-naturedly to you and as for being a protestant i suppose he's none the worse for that if he's none the better i don't know why you do be hating him so unless it's because i love him i'm not talking about my hating him or loving him if he's honest to you i'll neither say nor do anything to cross him but if he does mean to marry you it's time he did it that's all did he say anything to father about it what should he be saying to him of course dada would have no objection 
and would you then be letting him come here as he likes, and settling nothing, and just maining to marry you or not, as he likes, and you and he talked of over the country these four months back, and he talking about you just as his mistress through the country? Feemy was now regularly roused. That's a lie for you, Thady, and a black lie, about your own sister, too, to say he ever spoke a bad word against me. Pat Brady was telling you that, perhaps. It's what he never did or would do, for he's as true as you are false, and it's from jealousy and just from your hate, because everybody else likes him, makes you say it. And now we are on it, Thady, I'll just tell you one thing. I'm not to do what you tell me, nor will I, for I'm much more able to manage myself than you are for me. And for all you say about him, I'd attend more to one word from Miles than to all you can say, if you stood talking all night. And talk you may, but I'll not stand and hear you. And she bounced out of the room, slamming the door in a manner which made Mr. Flannelly's building shake to the foundation. Poor Thady was signally defeated. There he stood with his back to the fire, his old and dirty hat pulled low over his brow, his hands stuck into the pockets of his much-worn shooting-coat, his strong brogues and the bottoms of his corduroy trousers covered with dirt and dry mould, with the same heavy discontented look about his face which he always now wore. He certainly appeared but a sorry mentor for a young lady in a love affair. He felt that his sister despised him the more from her being accustomed to the comparatively gentlemanlike appearance and refined manners of her lover. There he stood a long time without stirring, and so he stood in absolute silence. He had put his pipe down when first Captain Usher left the room, and he had not resumed it, now even that he was alone. With Thady this was a sign that his heart was very full indeed, and so it was, full almost to breaking." He had come there eager with two high feelings, love for his sister, real fond brotherly affection, and love and respect for his family name. He had wished to protect the former from insult and unhappiness, and to sustain the fallen respectability of the latter, and he had only been scoffed at and upbraided by the sister he loved. For he did love her, though little real communication had ever passed between them. He had always supposed that she loved him, he had taken it for granted, and had asked for no demonstrative affection. But her manner and her words now cut him very deep. He was not aware how very uncouth his own manner had been, that instead of reasoning with her gently, he had begun by sneering at her lover, that he had taken the very course to offend her self-love, and that therefore Feemy was quite as convinced at the end of the meeting that she had a right to be angry, as he was that he was the injured party. At any rate, there he stood, perfectly baffled. His object had been to advise her, if Captain Usher did not at once declare his purpose to her family, to put a stop to his further visits. And if she refused to comply with his advice, to tell her that he should himself ask Captain Usher his intentions, and that if they were not such as he approved, he should inform him that he was no longer welcome at Ballycloran. This had seemed, though disagreeable, straightforward and easy enough before the meeting, and now that it was over he could not think why he had not said exactly what he had come there to say. To give him his due he blamed himself as much as he did his sister. He was very unhappy about it all, 
but he could not think how he had been so very stupid. Had he lived more in the world, he would have had recourse to the common resort in cases where speech is difficult. He could have written a letter to his sister. But this never occurred to him. Even had it done so, Thady's epistolary powers were very small, and his practice very limited. A memento to the better sort of tenants, as to their trifle of rent, or a few written directions to Pat Brady about seizing crops and driving pigs, was its extent. And these were written on pieces of coarse paper, which had been ruled for accounts, and were smeared rather than fastened with very much salivated wafers. His writing, too, was very slow, and his choice of language not extensive. A letter on such a subject from a brother to a sister should be well-turned, impressive, terse, sententious. That scheme would never have done for Thady. What, then, should he do? If he were to go to Captain Usher now, and tell him to discontinue his visits, he would only be asked if he had his sister's authority for doing so, or his father's. Should he get, or try to get, his father's authority? The old man, he knew, was moping over the parlour fire, half drunk, half stupid, and half asleep. After thinking it over alone there in Feemy's sitting-room for an hour, he determined that all he could do was to go back again to his only friend, Father John. When Feemy slammed the door, as she did at the end of her violent oration above given, she betook herself to her bedroom and began to cry. Though she had so well assumed an air of an injured person, and had to the best of her abilities vindicated her absent lover, still she was very unhappy at what her brother had said to her. Nor in truth was it only because Thady had expressed himself unkindly about Miles, but she also could not but feel that there was something wrong. She never for a moment believed that her lover spoke loosely of her behind her back, for she never for a moment doubted his love. But she did feel that it would be more comfortable if Miles would speak, or let her speak to some of her family, if it were only to her father. Though she knew so little of what was usual in the world, still she felt that even his sanction, stupid, tipsy, unconscious as he was, would give to her attachment a respectability which it wanted now and if a day of her marriage were fixed, though circumstances might require that it should be ever so distant, she would be able to talk much more satisfactorily of her prospects to Mary Cassidy and the Miss McKeons. Besides, if she could bring matters to this state, she could so triumphantly prove that Thady was wrong in his unhandsome conjectures, and she determined before she had done thinking on the subject, to give Miles a few hints as to her wishes." The next day he would be sure to come to Ballycloran on his way to McGovery's wedding, and he would probably ask why Thady had prevented their walk to Augermore, and then she would have a good opportunity of saying what she wanted. End of section 8. The Brother and Sister, Part 2.